Over the past few days, evidence is emerging that coronavirus models may have overestimated the pandemic. Even hard-hit areas like Italy and New York may be turning the corner earlier than projected. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and a whole lot of people will have a whole lot of explaining to do as to why we just destroyed the global economy. We will examine the value of hindsight and how shoulda, coulda, woulda will affect the 2020 election. Then, despite months of mainstream media insistence that the Wuhan virus has nothing whatsoever to do with the shadowy Wuhan Institute of Virology, news reports suggest a link between the two. We will take a look at the latest and how a conspiratorial press has abused the term conspiracy theory. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. some good news. Isn't that nice to report for a change? Italy may have turned the corner. Now we're just looking at numbers from Friday and Saturday right now. We'll have more numbers obviously coming out later this morning. Italy on Friday reported 766 new deaths. That's no good. Brings the total up to 14,681. That's no good. But the fact that it was only 766 deaths and not more than that shows that we're now seeing a slowdown in Italy over multiple days. Uh, Infections grew from Thursday to Friday by 2.8%. Also, doesn't sound great, except that is lower than it was uh, growing before. So before the rate was 3%, now it's down to 2.8. Looks like we're seeing a slowdown. And the number of people who got the virus and then were sick and then recovered also jumped pretty high on Friday in Italy to 19,758. So it looks as though we can say with some confidence, Italy has peaked. You know, we've all been talking about flattening the curve. It now seems to have gone over the top of the curve and it's on the way down. Really good news for us is that may also be true in New York. It may not be true in New York. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor there, has been cautious to say, listen, we had a little bit of a slowdown. That might just be a blip, though. It might go back up again. But there does seem to be light at the end of the tunnel there. So New York's count of daily coronavirus deaths fell for the first time on Saturday compared to Friday. So on Friday, there were 630 deaths in New York. On Saturday, there were 594 deaths, which is significantly down. If you're talking about 36 deaths, down to the number 594. New hospitalizations were also down. They were way down. They went down to 574 on Saturday compared to 1,095 on Friday. Uh, This trend holds for daily ICU admissions uh, that decreased uh, from 395 on Friday to 250 on Saturday. So again, way down. Intubations fell uh, only a little bit, but down from 351 on Friday down to 316 on Saturday. And probably best of all, the discharge rate went way, way up to 1709 on Saturday compared to 1502 on Friday. So pretty much every number coming out of New York got better from Friday to Saturday. Might've just been a a blip. It might, might, still might spike again this week, but across the board, hospitalizations, ICU, discharge, Uh, death, all of those numbers going in the right direction, at least from Friday to Saturday. Now, who knows? We'll see over the next few days if, if New York really has peaked. Even if New York has not peaked, we are seeing evidence that that malaria drug that has been around for a long time, that President Trump and others have touted as showing promise on treating coronavirus, actually is doing a great job of treating coronavirus. Here is just one physician who is seeing a lot of coronavirus patients, who has been prescribing it to his patients, saying that in virtually all cases, hydroxychloroquine has worked. What we're finding clinically with our patients is that it really only works in conjunction with zinc. So the hydroxychloroquine opens the zinc channel, zinc goes into the cell, it then blocks the replication of the, of the cellular machinery. So it has to be used in conjunction with zinc. We are seeing some clinical responses in that regard. There are people that take it regularly for other disease processes. We have to be cautious and mindful that we don't prescribe it for patients who have COVID that are well. It really should be reserved for people that are really sick in the hospital or at home very sick that need that medication. Otherwise, we're going to blow through our supply for the patients that take it regularly for other disease processes. But what what you're saying is you're prescribing it and it is working for COVID-19 patients. 
every patient I prescribed it to has been very, very ill. And within eight to 12 hours, they were basically symptom free. That's a pretty amazing endorsement. The person was very, very ill. And with eight to 12 hours, it was done. It was all better. Notice he has a word of caution here. He says, look, if you're not showing symptoms, if you're not very sick, do not take this drug. But he's not saying don't take this drug because the drug will make you sicker. He's saying don't take the drug because the drug is so damn good that we don't want to burn through our whole supply. And because some people take the drug for other reasons, not just for coronavirus. In fact, that's the whole reason this drug is working is because it doesn't need to go through an extensive FDA approval process. It's already gone through that process. The drug has already been around. It's not like scientists had to discover a new drug in a lab, then test it on animals, then test it on people, then go through this whole process. And within 18 months, we still don't have a drug for coronavirus. The drug has been tested for a long time and it appears to be working on coronavirus. This is great news, right? Of course it is. And nobody could be more furious about it than the mainstream media. We'll get to that in a second. First, got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know, these days when you got a lot of things being delivered to the door, I bet you're not going out quite as much. You really want to know who that is knocking your door. Okay. Who that is ringing the bell. Ring gives you protection at every corner and it helps you create custom affordable security for your home. Ring detects motion when people come onto your property and Ring's video doorbells let you answer the door and check in on your home from anywhere at any time. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. Maybe you're at the office, maybe you're on vacation, maybe you're just getting the heck out of Dodge and you want to check in on your house. Well, you can if it's a surprise package delivery, if it's a surprise visitor, if heaven forfend it's your mother-in-law, you'll get an alert, you'll be able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. Get a special offer right now on one of Ring's video doorbells when you go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Start building custom security for your home today. Again, go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You will feel like you are in the future and you'll be able to check in on your home from anywhere. This is, this is good news. I know we haven't had a lot of good news recently, but good news on hospitalizations, on the death rate, on this drug working, and the media are so upset, specifically on the drug. You know, President Trump does these daily press conferences. He is his own press secretary. They're the best stuff on TV. They are even slightly better than Tiger King, and Tiger King is a great show. We got a few press conferences to catch up on over the weekend. The biggest takeaway I had from all of them is how much the press does not want this pandemic to get better. They seem furious when the drugs work. They seem furious when the numbers are going in the right direction. In fact, uh, one reporter is asking President Trump if he thinks it's really responsible to go out there on television every day and tell people that there's actually hope in the form of this new drug. Mr. President, as President of the United States, your words carry enormous weight in this country and around the world. And while you acknowledge you're not a physician, you do promote these medicines extensively here. How do you not go so far as to be giving medical advice and you said yesterday you might take some of these medicines even though you don't have symptoms. Are you still planning to do that? And how do you calibrate being enthusiastic yeah. and not playing doctor? Because I want people to live and I'm seeing people dying. And I've seen people that are going to die without it. And you know the expression, when that's happening, they should do it. What really do we have to lose? We also have this medicine's been tested for many years for malaria and for lupus, so it's been out there. So it's a very strong, powerful medicine, but it doesn't kill people. He's almost flabbergasted, I think. You look at his confusion, he say, well, Mr. President, your words carry so much weight. Why on earth would you tout this drug that's shown great efficacy at treating coronavirus? Because I want people to live. You monsters, do you not want people to live? Think about how perverse that is. The mainstream media, know of this drug, which has been shown to be effective at treating the global pandemic that there is currently no cure for and no vaccine for. And the press are angry that Trump would tell people about the drug. Look also at how the press wants to have it both ways with Trump. They get angry with Trump that he's not acting fast enough, right? They say they're the administration's bungled response to coronavirus. They're not working fast enough. They didn't have an answer in place. 
And then the press gets angry that Trump is acting too fast. They say, we had no response to this virus. You have no cure for this virus. Okay, well, we've got a cure now. You can't have a cure. That's terrible. You haven't gone through 18 months of clinical testing. It seems pretty clear they just don't want the problem to go away. I thought Trump gave a very good answer. The reporters were not pleased with that answer. Actually, the reporters came back and asked the same question again, phrased even more offensively. The next reporter then asked the question as to why those pesky elected politicians keep leading our politics and making these decisions instead of just turning over all of their power to the scientists, to science itself. The, the doctors who are treating coronavirus patients, they have the medical expertise to determine whether or not they should pres prescribe hydroxychloroquine. And many of them And do. there are already clinical trials in place sure. looking at hydroxychloroquine. Sure. So they should be finished not, in about a year. Why not just let the science speak for itself? Why are you promoting this drug? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just you saying very simply, here. I'm not at all. I'm not. Look, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying well, to you save lives. You come out here every day, right, sir, talking about the benefits I, of I want them to try it, and it may work and it may not work. But if it doesn't work, it's nothing lost by doing it. Nothing. Because we know long term what I want, I want to save lives. And I don't want to be in a lab for the next year and a half as people are dying all over the place. Doctors are already able to prescribe it off late. Right. I don't want to wait a year and a half to find out. And only CNN would ask that question. Fake news. Go ahead. So true. Well, actually, let me, let me caveat that a little bit. It's true that CNN is such fake news that they would ask that question. But a lot of reporters in this room are asking this kind of ridiculous question. What that reporter's question boils down to is, Mr. President, why are you being the president? Uh, Mr. President, why are you showing political leadership and giving Americans hope and trying to point them in the right direction? Why aren't, look, and then Trump answers, he says, because I want to save lives. He says, look, the drug is out there, okay? The reporter says it like grudgingly. Oh, the drug is out there. Fine. Okay. There's a cure for coronavirus. Or if there's not a cure, at least there's a good treatment for it. But you don't need to promote it. You don't need to tell people there's a cure. We were hoping this pandemic would go on for six months. We were hoping if we were lucky, this thing would go on for 18 months and then you would lose the election. And then Joe Biden would become president. He probably wouldn't even be aware of it if he got elected, but then, then we could do whatever we want. And now you're going around our backs. You, you pesky Donald Trump, and you're giving people hope and showing them that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. How dare you, Mr. President? Why not let science speak for itself? Guess what? Science doesn't act on its own. That's the other side of this. It's not like you just, you, I don't know, you put a bunch of microscopes in a lab and you have a couple white coats hung on the wall and then science happens. Okay, science is led by people who follow the scientific method. And then once the scientists do the sciencey things, then you have drugs, which now we have, and then it is up to our leaders to promote those drugs. It is up to our leaders to tell us that those drugs are available, to communicate that to us, to lead in the crisis. And the press hates it that Trump is leading right now. And they apparently hate it that things are going better than before. But the press is not just upset that people have access to medicine that can treat coronavirus. They're now openly furious that people have access to food. We will get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. You know how much I love Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is just so much easier than walking into an auto parts store and then someone demanding quick answers of you. Like, like is your Odyssey an XL or an EX or an LX? Or I don't even know, all these different letters. And then Usually the auto parts store doesn't even have the part you want. So they just go online. They probably go to rock auto, frankly. And then they find out that they order it and then they charge you twice as much. That's crazy. Why would you do that? If you have the internet, you have access to the rockauto.com catalog at your desk and in your pocket. And guess what? If you're like me, you don't know anything about cars. Even you will be able to navigate the rockauto.com catalog. It's just that simple. They always have the lowest price possible. They're not always, they're not changing prices like a bunch of gimmicks. They just always have the lowest one possible. It's great. Why spend up to twice as much on the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles in their how did you hear about us box? And then they will know that we sent you. So the press, very upset that people now have access to medicine for coronavirus. 
If they can't stop the medicine from getting out there, they at least want to stop people from getting access to food. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. One reporter chastised President Trump for allowing grocery stores to remain open. You know, obviously we know anyone can spread the disease, right, unwittingly. Right. So why even have a few businesses open? Why not just shut everything down? There are grocery stores that are open, fast food places. Why even take a little chance to shut well, them all down temporarily? Yeah, we'll answer that question later. All I can say is that right now, things are looking really good, and opening up with a bang will be a great thing, and there's nobody going to be happier than me. Mr. President, why not let people just uh, starve to death in the uh, apartment pods that uh, the governors are forcing them to remain in? Why are you allowing people's suffering to be alleviated? It is pretty clear at this point, as if it wasn't clear from the beginning. Some of us knew this from the beginning, but at this point, it is undeniable. The press does not want this pandemic to lift. They don't. They want the hysteria to remain just as high as they all ginned it up. They want the pain to become more intense. They want to hide the fact that there's an effective drug. They want to keep you from getting groceries so that you go hungry. They want there to be maximum chaos because they realize that by maximizing political pain during this pandemic, they are helping themselves politically and they are hurting their number one enemy, Donald Trump, politically. That You know, I, I usually try not to use terms like enemy when I'm talking about domestic politics. It was Ronald Reagan who said, when we're talking about Democrats and Republicans, no one has enemies, we only have opponents. But I'm beginning to think for the left, they have an enemy. For instance, when you think about coronavirus, you would think that, okay, maybe you disagree with Trump or you like Trump, but he's not the enemy. The enemy is China which is 100% responsible for spreading this pandemic. And yet when you look at the left-wing press, they are constantly covering for China. They can't get enough of it. And they are constantly attacking Trump and trying to make it as though Donald Trump put on a white lab coat, went into a lab in Wuhan and concocted this coronavirus. By the way, we'll get to the connection between this virus and that lab in Wuhan in, in just a moment. Regardless of all that, the evidence is that things are getting better. And increasingly, the, the evidence is showing that the doomsday models that we were all told, two million Americans dead or more, were wrong. And, and people are bringing up now, e even some reporters, are bringing up what to do about those models. And you're, you're about to see this conversation shift rapidly from, we have to believe the models, we have to believe the most extreme models, to the models were wrong. Why did you guys get it wrong? Here's a reporter putting that question to President Trump. Some of the models that you guys are using, the IHME model in particular, has been very accurate when it comes to projecting deaths over the last couple of days. But there's a couple of other metrics that they seem to be pretty far off on, specifically hospital beds. Are you guys, you know, happy with the models you're currently using? Is there any need to adjust those? Well, it's turning out that we need less hospital beds. Right. That's what you're talking but about. I, and that's what we, well, we may have models, but we've been sort of saying that. Uh, in New York, we were saying, we think you're going to need less. Now, let's hope that continues. But right now, I heard Governor Cuomo this morning, and he was saying less hospital beds, also less death. That was a very big thing. First time, less death today than yesterday, right? That's a big thing. But also less hospital beds. That means less patients, because basically it's less patients. This is such a dishonest new narrative that is just today emerging from the mainstream media, and you're going to see it for weeks now, which is initially they attacked Trump because he was underestimating the virus. And now, pretty soon, you're going to see them attack Trump for overestimating the virus. Why aren't you doing more? Why did you do so much? And they're going to do it with a completely straight face. They're going to do it without blinking. That's how you used to pushing a narrative these people are. This is good news, I guess, right? They don't need as many hospital beds as they thought they needed. They don't need, they, they, they brought this ship, the federal government sent this hospital ship to New York to treat all the people who don't have coronavirus. They figured they could get all the otherwise healthy people treated on the ship and then all the hospitals would be used for coronavirus. Now they're actually using the ship for some people with coronavirus because all the other deaths and injuries are way, way down because no one's allowed to leave their apartments. And it is good news to say there are fewer people in the hospital than we thought. There are fewer people getting sick than we thought. 
It's, it is good news, but there is a downside to that. The downside is, hooray, look at how great we did. We destroyed the global economy for no reason. Right? That's assuming the best case that the models really were overblown, as some people were suggesting weeks ago, not naming any names, not raising any hands, but that is great news, right? Because fewer people then are sick. But then there is a political accountability question, which is, why did we just shut down the global economy? Why are, why did 10 million people lose their jobs within just two weeks? Who knows what that number is going to be by the end of this week when we get the numbers on Thursday. So good on the health front, a little tougher on the political front. President Trump is already trying to get ahead of this narrative. He's already trying to distance himself from the models. He, he came out at the last press conference and he said, look, I've never worked with models. Well, at least not those kind of models. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. You know what I want to do? I want to come way under the models. The professionals did the models. I was never involved in a model, but at least this kind of a model. I love that line. Well, look, at least not this kind of a model, okay? Maybe you've all seen Melania, beautiful lady, okay? But other kind of models I'm not involved in. A really smart line. Also politically smart for Trump to distance himself from those models that he initially showed some skepticism toward, that he has repeatedly said he didn't think the doomsday scenario was necessarily going to happen. This is going to be the next great debate, okay? This coronavirus pandemic and probably even more so the global shutdown that has resulted from it, is the biggest event to happen to our country and our world since 9-11. It's the most significant event. Even after 9-11, which was an epoch-changing event, we didn't shut down the global economy for two months or three months or however long this is going to go on. Okay, 2020, the 2020 election is now about this. A month ago, it was about the greatest economy in the world and unemployment and Trump's mean tweets and all that stuff. Now it is about this and the lead up to this and the fallout from this. Joe Biden is already trying to rewrite history to make the case that he would have handled coronavirus better than Trump. We'll get to his case, which as you might expect is pretty weak in just a moment. But first, I got to thank our friends over at Ebb. Are you restless these days? (laughs) Are you having trouble sleeping? I know a lot of people are. If you're having trouble falling and staying asleep, it's time to try Ebb. Ebb sleep is a wearable solution that fits over the forehead and gently cools the forehead to reduce those racing thoughts, allowing people who suffer from sleeplessness to drift more comfortably into a deeper, more restorative sleep. The mind's normal way of dealing with stress and challenges is to be on guard or more vigilant. But brain imaging studies followed by 3,800 nights of clinical studies by renowned sleep researchers revealed a revolutionary new way to sleep. I've tried it out. I really, really like this thing because it's so simple. It's not habit forming. It's not a drug that you're going to get addicted to. It cools your brain down in this very cool uh, headband and this gadget. You've just got to try it to believe it. Ebb Sleep understands the uncertainty you may be experiencing at this time. They want to help. You can get $25 off your order right now by using promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to save. You can continue to try Ebb risk-free for 60 nights to confirm it's the best solution you've been looking for. Try Ebb.com slash Knowles. Let Ebb help you get the sleep you need and remove the risk from your purchase. T-R-Y-E-B-B.com slash Knowles. Try Ebb.com slash Knowles and use the promo code Knowles to save. Order today. With everything going on, get the sleep that you need and deserve. You remember Joe Biden? I barely remember Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I guess he's, he's running for president. Joe Biden is already trying to change history and say that he would have handled coronavirus much better than Trump. Here is Joe Biden criticizing Trump for not shutting down travel from China sooner. Got to go faster than slower. And we, we started off awfully slow. He indicated that uh, I complimented him on, uh, on dealing with China. Well, you know, 45 nations had already moved to keep uh, um, uh, block China's uh, personnel from being able to come to the United States uh, before the president moved. Uh, so it's just, it's about pace. It's about, it's about the urgency. And I don't think there's been enough of it. That is an unbelievable criticism. Now, it's going to skate by people who only watch the mainstream media. It's going to skate by people who are kind of casually paying attention to politics. Frankly, it's going to skate by most people because most people, I think, have forgotten that Joe Biden's even running for president at this point. 
They've forgotten about the whole election. All of the news cycle has been about coronavirus. And Joe Biden is particularly good at revising history and lying with a straight face. Not even because he's so deceitful and, and duplicitous, but really just because he has no regard for the truth. He just says falsehoods with, with total ease, with total talent and skill. Just flows right out of him. So, for instance, what he just said, 45 nations cut travel from China before the United States did. That's just not true. I don't even know how to refute that because I have no idea where he even got that figure from. It's just completely pulled out of thin air. But the most dishonest part of that statement is that Joe Biden would would have shut down travel from China much faster. We have video recordings. We know for a fact that when Donald Trump shut down travel from China early in January, he was pilloried for it from the left, specifically from Joe Biden, who said that shutting down travel from China was a bad idea and it was xenophobic. Coronavirus emanated from China. A national emergency, you know, worldwide alerts. The American people need to have a president who they can trust what he says about it, that he is going to act rationally about it. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of a president is most needed, as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia. There it is. Now is not the time for that awful Trump xenophobia that says that we're allowed to decide who comes into our country. And maybe even though we take the highest number of immigrants anywhere in the world, uh, maybe we could slightly reduce that and it would be okay. Or maybe during a pandemic, we should shut down travel from the place where the pandemic started. You know, crazy ideas like that. He said, we can't do that. We got to leave the borders open. Trump said no. Now we've got the pandemic, which probably one of the most important things to stopping the spread of this virus was shutting down travel from China. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden comes. He says, yeah, he didn't shut down travel soon enough. Does Joe Biden just forget what he said? Possibly. I guess he might forget what he said. He he clearly doesn't have a grip on uh, uh, very much these days in the way of either political issues or his own memory. But the media are already playing into this. We'll get to how that is in in just one moment. First, I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Uh, By the way, I also want to give a little plug out right now. Glenn Beck has a new book out called Arguing with Socialists. And once we move past this coronavirus thing, we're going to probably spend the rest of the year arguing with socialists. So it's a good book to get a primer on that. You can get that book now on Amazon or wherever, wherever you buy fine books. And if you haven't had a chance to check out the All Access Live show, you should check it out. It's been a lot of fun. That's uh, happening every day at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's, I call it a show. It's not even really a show. We just turn a webcam on and we hang out. Last time we were doing everything from, I was talking about what drink I was about to make and answering some personal questions to reading Dante because someone asked me a question about Dante. It's kind of just whatever. We're really hanging out. It's meant for our all access members, but we are opening it up during this quarantine to all of our members. So come check it out. We should all be hanging out during this isolation anyway. If you are not even a a basic member, you got to go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be back with a whole lot more. So the media are already playing into this Joe Biden revisionist history on coronavirus, on his whole political career, on the main issues of 2020. And they're pushing this to Donald Trump. You know, people forget about Joe Biden because he's just such a secondary news story at this point. And he's such a weak candidate to begin with that all the focus is on Trump. So the the press are trying to get Joe Biden back in the conversation. They ask President Trump about Biden's attacks on him. And Trump's answer has been characteristically savage. Joe Biden actually just attacked you in a tweet. I don't know if you have seen it. He just what? Attacked you. He just said. Well, he didn't write anything. Look, he has people, he has professionals from the Democrats. Mr. President, let me just read what he said. He said, Donald Trump is not responsible for the coronavirus, but he is responsible for failing to prepare our nation to respond to it. How do you respond to that, sir? Uh, He didn't write that. 
That was done by a Democrat operative. He doesn't write. He doesn't. He's probably not even watching right now. Uh, and if he is, he doesn't understand what he's watching. <laughs> this is so brutal. It's it's like it, it keeps following in the path of his attacks since Joe Biden nearly clinched the nomination or put himself on the way to get the nomination, where he says, look, if Joe Biden gets elected, they say Joe Biden's a little more moderate. Doesn't matter. Joe's not going to be president. They're going to put Joe in a home. Okay. Joe's going to be in a home watching TV. It's fine. It's, he's not going to know what's going on, but that's okay. It's going to be all of his staff and his cabinet running things. And that's true. <laughs> Joe Biden does not write his own tweets. Donald Trump writes his own tweets. How do we know that? Well, one, because he's been doing that for as long as Twitter's been around and he gets himself in trouble for it. Two, on that point, his staff very often doesn't like what he's tweeting because it creates political headaches for them. Three, there are some kind of random misspellings, just the way that you and I, when we text, we misspell things. You just do it really quickly on your phone. He's writing it, right? Trump is in command of this and the coronavirus has really shown it. That guy is in charge, okay? That guy, love him or hate him, agree with him or disagree with him, he knows what he's doing. Joe Biden, that's not the case. He can't get a word out of his mouth without flubbing it. Okay, Joe is fine on Twitter because other people are writing his tweets for him. Joe is fine on podcasts because other people are speeding it up, for one. They're literally speeding up the pace of his voice, and they're, they're editing it extensively so that you don't have the ums and the ahs and the weird things that he's saying. It's, it, they've actually done it too much. It moves too fast and it's too tightly edited that you can hear that there's nowhere even to breathe in, in the podcast. Not that anyone's going to be listening to that podcast. But Joe just speaking off the cuff is awkward and usually incoherent. He's been going on friendly media to try to get his message out. It's mostly turned into nonsensical blathering. Here's Joe Biden on ABC News with former Clinton communications director, George Stephanopoulos. Doesn't get more friendly than that, and Joe still can barely see his way through the interview. We cannot let this, we've never allowed any crisis from the Civil War straight through to the pandemic of 17, all the way around 16. We have never, never let our democracy take second fiddle. We, they, we can both have a democracy and elections and at the same time correct the public health. Can anybody tell me what that means? Could anybody tell me from the beginning to the end of that clip and since we had in the civil and the, the, and the flu, and we've always been having uh, and have our cake and not uh, put, uh, make hay while the sun shines and 30 days had September, April, June, and November, public health. I think the point at the very end, you could see he got to his talking point, which is we can protect our freedoms, but we can protect public health. Nothing he said in that statement up until that point, which he didn't even totally get out. I'm just reading into what he, I think, was trying to say. Nothing up until that point in that statement had anything to do with that. The guy doesn't know what's happening right now. <laughs> okay, he doesn't. It's not even just an age thing. Joe Biden has always been a bumbling, jumbling not all that with it, glad handing empty suit of a politician. But it's gotten especially bad now because he's not even the man he was four years ago. Joe Biden now cannot even remember how many grandkids he has. And frankly, it's probably worse than that. It's probably the case that Joe Biden can remember how many grandkids he has, but he just doesn't want to acknowledge one of them because one of his grandkids is recently born within the last couple of years and is the illegitimate child that his son Hunter had with a stripper. And Joe Biden doesn't want to even acknowledge that grandchild. Here's Joe. It's been changing every few days, but here's Joe recently on air saying that he's got five grandchildren. I've been doing that forever though. There's a, there's a deal we have. I have uh, five grandchildren and, uh, okay. That is not true. Like many things that Joe Biden says, it's just factually not true. Joe Biden has seven grandchildren. Now, Joe says five grandchildren. He forgot about two of them. Okay, maybe Joe is just losing it a little bit. So in the next interview, Joe Biden has his wife, Jill, on. Jill, clearly a little bit more with it. But even Jill doesn't seem to remember how many grandchildren they have. Jill says the number is just six. 
So my name is Jill, and this is my husband, Joe, and uh, your children may not know, but we have three children, and we have six grandchildren. Still not true. You have seven grandchildren. Now, Jill just can't rely on the excuse that she's lost her marbles. I don't think Jill's lost her marbles. But Bo Biden, Joe Biden's late son, had two kids. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's degenerate son, has five kids. They appear now, I mean, if it were just Joe, I'd say he forgot the number. But because Jill is saying this also wrong number, different wrong number, it seems to me that they are just leaving out Hunter Biden's illegitimate child who was born in August of 2018. Biden, you'll recall, has been in a child support battle over this kid because Hunter Biden is a deadbeat dad and he doesn't want to pay child support to the mother of one of his children. So now we see it's not just that Hunter Biden is a degenerate when it comes to this kid. Joe and Jill are too. Joe and Jill, it would appear, are refusing to acknowledge one of their grandchildren because they, they don't like the fact that this child was born under difficult circumstances. That's an ugly thing. And it actually matters to his campaign. I'm not just digging up family dirt here for the sake of it. It matters to the campaign because Joe Biden's whole campaign is, I'm going to restore dignity to the office of the president. Joe Biden's entire campaign beginning to end is Donald Trump says mean things and I say nice things. Donald Trump is a mean guy and I'm a nice guy. So in order for that campaign to hold any weight, Joe Biden has to be a nice guy. But nice guys don't refuse to acknowledge one of their grandchildren because they don't like the circumstances of his birth. Okay, this is a bad look. It's a very ugly look for Joe Biden. And it's going to come back to haunt him. If, if they were smart, I think probably what Joe and Jill are thinking is, let's not even acknowledge the kid because that's going to bring up more headaches. It's going to get it into the news. Maybe it'll screw up the child support and paternity lawsuits that have been going on. That's short-sighted thinking. It's a much worse look for them to callously refuse to acknowledge one of their grandkids than to say, yeah, we have this grandkid. He was born under strange circumstances. All families have some difficulties, but we love our, all of our grandkids, including this one. But they haven't done that. Now, moving beyond Joe, who is, even now, he's got the best political opportunity in his entire life. Global pandemic, he could pin a lot of it on Trump if he, if he wanted to twist the facts, and he still can't do it successfully. Speaking of 2020 and how hindsight is 2020, we are now beginning to get a better picture of how this virus originated, okay? And it's making the conservatives who were skeptical look pretty good. And it's making China and China's propagandists in the mainstream media look pretty bad. So this idea has been floated for a little while now that it's a hell of a coincidence that this virus begins in a Wuhan wet market, allegedly. And Wuhan is one of the very few places on earth that has a high-level virology institute where China studies very infectious and dangerous diseases, specifically coronavirus diseases. What a weird coincidence, huh? Ah, well, and, and the mainstream media, I kid you not, they've been saying since the beginning, yup, it's just a weird coincidence. And if you say it's not a coincidence, if you say it's, there's something more going on, then you're a terrible person and a racist and a bigot and a conspiracy theorist. So here's Tom Cotton uh, a couple months ago floating this theory or not, I guess about a month ago, a little over a month ago, floating this theory that perhaps there's a link between the Wuhan virus and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We also know that just a few miles away from that food market is China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that in researches human infectious diseases. Now, we don't have evidence that this disease originated there, but because of China's du duplicity and dishonesty from the beginning, we need to at least ask the question to see what the evidence says. And China right now is not giving any evidence on that question at all. So, so this super lab that you refer to, this super lab is the only one of its kind in this area, in Wuhan, in the province, uh, th that, that area. And, and what do they do at this super lab? 
It's unclear, Maria. Uh, we have such laboratories ourselves in the United States run by our military in large part done for preventative purposes or trying to discover vaccines or to protect our own soldiers. China is obviously very secretive about what happens at the Wuhan laboratory. We don't know, again, where this virus originated. That's why it's so important that we at least ask the questions and get the evidence. But China continues to block our ability to ask those questions and get that evidence. Totally measured, totally reasonable. He's not saying that Xi Jinping threw on a lab coat and created this bioweapon and unleashed it on the world. He's saying there might be a link between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the virus that began in Wuhan. And we should look into that. And even if it was an accident, we should look into that. Now, lots of evidence is emerging that he was right. But guess what? At the time when he said that, the left called him a conspiracy theorist. All over the pages of the mainstream media, all on television, Tom Cotton's a conspiracy theorist pushing a debunked, discredited conspiracy theory, right? Except it wasn't debunked. I guess it's being rebunked right now because a lot of evidence is emerging that he was right and the media were wrong and they were propagandizing for China. So Jim Garrity at National Review had a great piece on this outlining the evidence the other day. And most of the piece is quoting this guy, Matthew Tai, who creates YouTube videos and who says that he's, he's found the source of the coronavirus. Here are just a smattering of facts. Go watch the YouTube video. Go read the piece at NR. The Wuhan Institute of Virology in China posted a job opening on November 18th, 2019. So right around the time that we're seeing this thing crop up last year, asking for scientists to come research the relationship between coronavirus and bats. Just a coincidence though, probably, right? That's, it's just a, what, it, what are the odds? Then on December 24th, 2019, the Wuhan Institute of Virology posted another job opening. Uh, it said, long-term research on the pathogenic biology of bats carrying important viruses has confirmed the origin of bats of major uh, new human and livestock infectious diseases, such as SARS and SADS, and a large number of new bat and rodent new viruses have been discovered and identified. Probably just a coincidence though. I bet the Institute had no idea what was going on. It was just in the wet markets after all. It's just that someone bought uh, a bad bat at the wet market. Then there were reports that a researcher at the Wuhan Institute of Virology named Wang Yanling uh, is believed by many people to be patient zero and is believed by many people to be dead. Now, what did the Chinese government say about this? They said, never happened. They don't know who she is. She never worked there. So for the mainstream media, that's good enough. They'll just print whatever the Chinese government wants them to print for maybe ideological reasons and also financial reasons, because China buys up so much American media. Now, this, this woman, Wang Yanling, is still not listed on the Institute website, but her, or rather she, she is listed on the Institute website, but her photo and her biography have been removed. There's still a link there, but the link is now dead. So there's clearly a connection, right? South China Morning Post, which is not an anti-Beijing newspaper. It's actually generally friendly to Beijing. They posted on March 13th, quote, according to the government data seen by the post, a 55-year-old from Hubei province could have been the first person to have contracted COVID-19 on November 17th. Now, the institute denied that this person, Wang Yanling, existed. Then, when they got called out on that, they said she did work there, but she no longer does work there. And most importantly, she's not accounted for. They have no idea where she is. Another report around all this time from uh, Chen Huangzhao, pardon my pronunciation, who's a researcher at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, said that the director of the institute was responsible for leaking the coronavirus. It's just another report, just adding to the mountain of evidence that may or may not be true, but a lot of it's adding up. Here's another crazy aspect of this that we're getting from all these reports. We were told that the Wuhan wet market that spread the virus was responsible because some people hunted bats and they sold the bats at the wet market and the bat had the disease and the disease spread to everybody. Remember the whole, the whole virus came from bad bat soup. Don't eat bat soup. Don't eat pangolin. Okay. Now there is evidence that the bats that carry this coronavirus do not occur naturally around Wuhan. They do, you can't just go to a cave in Wuhan and hunt this bat and that's where you're going to get it. That the bat would have to come from someplace else, maybe through the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Just another strange suggestion. 
Another researcher, Xiaobo Tao, who goes by a couple other names, a scholar from South China University of Technology, recently published a report that researchers at the Wuhan Virus Laboratory had been splashed with bat blood and urine, and they were quarantined for 14 days because of some kind of accident at the lab. And then, cherry on top, if you don't believe any of that, you don't believe any of these people from around the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the CDC, the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the World Health Organization, which is a China mouthpiece, could not confirm if the bats that carry the coronavirus were even present at the wet market. So now you're talking about, well, a China source, which is WHO, and a U.S. source, CDC. Neither of them can confirm that the bats that spread the disease were even there at the Wuhan wet market. All these little pieces of evidence start to be adding up and start to dismantle this idea that China, the government knew nothing about this whatsoever. It had nothing to do with the Institute of Virology. And let me tell you, if you believe that it did, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. Does that mean that China intentionally created and spread this disease? No, it doesn't have to mean that. That's not what Tom Cotton was saying in that interview. Okay, scientists are saying right now that the disease doesn't look manufactured. What does that mean? I have no idea, but I have no reason to dispute the scientists. But of course, the virus could have occurred naturally, been brought to the Institute of Virology to study, had some accident like the ones described in these reports from China occur and then have the virus leak from the lab. Or it could have been deliberate. I don't know. But it doesn't have to be deliberate for there to be a connection there with the Institute. This is not a conspiracy, uh, or a conspiracy theory rather, as the left attacked Tom Cotton for saying, or as the left attacked Tom Cotton for allegedly promoting. Okay, it's a very plausible theory. Actually, when all of that adds up, it's just common sense. Even the Washington Post now, by the way, the people who were calling it a conspiracy theory, they now admit it. From David Ignatius, how did COVID-19 begin? Its initial origin story is shaky. U.S. intelligence officials don't think the pandemic was caused by deliberate wrongdoing. The outbreak that has now swept the world began with a simpler story, albeit one with tragic consequences. The prime suspect is natural transmission from bats to humans, perhaps through unsanitary markets. But scientists don't rule out that an accident at a research laboratory in Wuhan might have spread a deadly bat virus that had been collected for scientific study. So they have to begin with their defense of the Chinese government. I have to begin, look, it shouldn't, it's not deliberate. Okay, it could have been at the wet market, even though we don't have any evidence that the, the bats were even there. But okay, it could have come from this, this research laboratory as an accident. And then unbelievably, he goes on to attack Tom Cotton say, and still kind of hold on to this conspiracy theory idea, even though what Tom Cotton said is essentially what this guy just admitted in the Washington Post. Two big takeaways here. One, we need to know how the disease started. If China intentionally unleashed this thing, then we're at war. If China accidentally unleashed this thing, then we're in the most tense global conflict you can be in short of war. If it's just a coincidence, then the mainstream media still acted recklessly to ignore all of the evidence on the other side and dismiss even the suggestion that there might be a link between the Wuhan virus and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Second big takeaway here. The mainstream media will now label anything that disputes their narrative as a conspiracy theory. I've seen this happening recently. Okay, it's, it's been increasing. I, I don't like conspiracy theories. I'm in no way an adherent to conspiracy theories. I always prefer simpler answers to things. But the left is now abusing the term conspiracy theory in exactly the way they've abused the terms racism and sexism and bigotry and all of that to mean things that, to mean basically anything, anything that they don't like. Here's an example. I was uh, recently doing a little research on cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism is a more recent form of Marxism after Karl Marx himself, which applies tenets of Marxism, which would typically apply to economics and politics, to the culture. Cultural Marxism has a long intellectual pedigree. Uh, it begins most conspicuously with an Italian thinker, Antonio Gramsci. Now, I studied a lot of uh, Italian literature and Italian writing when I was in college. So I've known about Antonio Gramsci for a long time. I was taught by mostly left-wing professors. This was, you know, obviously as establishment as, as it gets when I was in college, right? I've now learned that the phrase cultural Marxism, according to the mainstream media, is a conspiracy theory. And, and most remarkably, they call it an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. 
because some cultural Marxists have been Jews. Now, most people who know nothing about cultural Marxism, who know nothing about these writers, they'll just read that and they'll say, okay, it's a conspiracy theory. Anybody who uses that phrase is a conspiracy theorist. But if you have any historical literacy on this topic, you know that cultural Marxism has been around for a long time. There are many Marxists who have referred to themselves as cultural Marxists, Marxists in, uh, who want to apply the tenets of Marx to the culture, and that the father of cultural Marxism isn't Jewish. He's an Italian guy named Gramsci. <laughs> it's, how is that anti-Semitic? I guess it's anti-Italo, Italophobic maybe, I guess, but it's certainly not anti-Semitic. But what the mainstream media are counting on is that you have no idea who Gramsci is, or you have no idea what Marxism is, even is, and certainly as it applies to the culture, you have no idea what ideas like cultural hegemony and the long intellectual history of this topic is. They just want to shut up people who cut through their own narrative. Ironically, in this case, uh, or perhaps expectedly in this case, cultural Marxism. And it's the same thing we're seeing here. If you cut through the mainstream narrative, which is carrying water for China, and you say, you know, maybe we got to take a look at this lab that's a couple miles away from where they say the virus was discovered, the lab that's studying coronavirus and bats, maybe there's something there. They tell you, no, no way, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. Well, now we've punctured that veil. The only conspiracy theories are the propaganda being peddled by the mainstream media to cover up for very, very bad actors around the world. There's some good news that we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but now we're going to have to look backward and figure out who got us to this unprecedented moment of a global shutdown in the first place. Uh, There's going to be a lot of value placed on hindsight, and that hindsight is probably going to determine how we look into the future and how we look at 2020. All right, that's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. 